0: Welcome to the Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Over the last couple of years, we've been through a lot. And 2021 was supposed to be the year that is over, that we rebound. We were happy to see 2020 leave, and it was tough. But in 2021, we still have time on the clock, on the calendar. And there have been 18 catastrophes that the cost of restoration is $1 billion or greater. 18, that's more than 2020. That's on top of the pandemic. Fires. So many thousands of acres. We might be up to a million acres that have burned. Fire. We've had hurricanes. Fire and water all over the earth, earthquakes, political uprisings. The world has gone through and seen much and we've seen much. Now that is on top of a pandemic. In the pandemic, I want to just take a moment and tell you my theology of COVID. I didn't read this in a book, so you can't fact check it. But you have the spirit of God, and you'll know if what I say is so. The first thing is COVID is a virus. Do we all agree on that? And a virus is a living organism. A virus is a living organism. And everything, Janine, that's living comes from God. Everything that's living, seen and unseen, comes from God. That's basic theology. Are we together so far? And when viruses, like everything else that God made, were created, Bishop Granham, it was good. In the garden, he said it was good. And then there was a fall. And there was chaos. And that which was good was enveloped with evil because of disobedience. Viruses have a purpose for plant life, for fungi to live It's a part of the ecosystem. When God created viruses, they were good, but like everything else went haywire. Do you know that 8% of the human genome is made up of viruses. In fact, as viruses mutate, the mutants are called. The mutants of viruses, the ones that lag, are called remnants. I say, isn't this something? Look at God. You can see God in everything. I'm going somewhere with this. Our immune system Our immune system where the white blood cells are that are our defense are called a human host it's our host defense I wish somebody in here knew the name of the Lord of hosts I'm going somewhere with this and even though COVID-19 wreaked havoc and death in the garden there was harmony but after the fall Cain killed Abel, brother against brother. Humans kill humans because of the fall, because we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen. Now, the, that which comes out of God is the whole debate about good and evil. Is God responsible for evil? No. No. It's because the world has fallen. And so COVID-19 has been destructive. But God is still in control. He's the Lord of hosts. And everything he created, he can command. We've seen a lot of devastation. We've seen a lot of destruction. But I see God in everything. And I see God everywhere. There's nowhere that God is not. And at the end of the day, when God says it's enough, it's enough. And those things that were created for good, that do evil, have to bow to his word. Whether it's human, whether it's viral, whether it's bacteria, whatever it is, God is the one who will determine the wind and all of the hurricanes. The, the prophet Nahum says that God has his way in the whirlwind and the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So every, what am I saying? Everything that's happening, all of the catastrophe, what we ought to do is hope in God because God is able. None of that is beyond the reach of God. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it's perplexing. Sometimes it causes us to wonder, but I want you to know that God is sitting on the throne and there's nothing hard for him. He's able to keep that which we commit unto him against that day. I wish somebody in the room would say amen. So I want to leave a thought with you today wait on the lord come on somebody help me out is there's people in the room today wait on the lord things look bad but god is in control god controls everything there's nothing that has been made that wasn't made by him there's nothing and as i was as god was preparing my spirit For today, I said, Lord, all of creation comes from you. And it was as if God tapped me on the shoulder and said, not only that which is living, but the rocks and the mountains. They're also mine. And if you're not careful, I'll have the rocks cry out. I'll prove that they're mine. He said, the day will come when the trees of the field will clap their hands. There's nothing that is beyond the reach of God. I wish somebody would see what I'm saying today. So I wanna take a very familiar text in Psalm 27, two verses. And we're gonna gonna start there, but we're gonna back this thing up. We're gonna back it up because God has a word for us. You know, we were doing uh, the Gospel of John chapter 6 and being a disciplined person I wanted to finish that what I call discipline God calls disobedience if I don't do what he says so we'll finish John 6 but today this is the fresh word that God has given I'll take obedience over discipline anytime how about you Psalm 27, 13, and 14, it reads, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Some people are waiting to see his goodness in the sweet by and by. But David said, I would have lost heart Unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I want you to know, in spite of the, the pandemic, in spite of the earthquakes, in spite of the fires, in spite of the floods, in spite of the murders, God is good. God is good, and He wants you to see His goodness. Lest you become discouraged, lest you give up hope, lest you faint. And then David goes on to say, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David is like, I don't think you heard me. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What I love about this particular psalm is the first half and the second half are completely different David goes from contemplation and even being consumed by the things that his enemies are doing but by the time he gets here he begins to focus on God God wants somebody to focus on him the floods and the fires and the pandemic are all real, but God is still good. Seeing his goodness, even in all that, causes our heart to be stout. Your heart will not faint when you focus on the goodness of God. And I, want, I don't want you to miss this. David didn't say, I would have fainted unless I see or saw the goodness of the Lord. He said, unless I had believed, unless I had believed, there's something about the kingdom of God that's different than the kingdoms of this world. David said, the thing that caused me to begin to rejoice, even though nothing around me changed, when I believed that I would see his goodness, it changed his attitude. It lifted me up in the midst of everything. My enemies and my foes were still all around me, but... When I believed I would see his goodness, he strengthened my heart. All of a sudden, this heart that was ready to faint, this heart that was ready to give up, this heart that was hopeless received an infusion of hope. There's something about believing that causes us to take our eyes off the things that trouble us, the things that cause us to worry. I want you to know God is sitting in heaven, saying, children, if you have enough time to worry, you have enough time to pray. You ought to pray instead of worry. He said, did not tell you not to worry. What will worrying do? Will worry add one hair to your head? Will worry add one inch to your height? If worrying would add hair to your head, I would have more hair. It won't, it don't work. But I want you to know that God is good and the goodness of God is all around us. The devil wants us to focus on all the things that are going wrong, all the catastrophic stuff. The media is feeding it to us daily. We talk to one another about it. We reinforce it. I want you to know that God is saying, wait on him. And David gives us great instruction. He said, I would have fainted if I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord, not in the sweet by and by, but in the land of the living. And he believed it before he saw it, because in the kingdom, believing is seeing. And and I'm not talking about blind faith. God told me as I was driving here this morning, tell my people I'm not talking. Faith is not blind. Faith is not blind. Faith has substance. Faith and it has evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's why the devil wants us to be hopeless, without hope. Because if I don't have hope, I can't have faith. Hope is wrapped up in faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And then it's the evidence of things not seen. David was able to believe and have a strengthened heart because there was evidence. He saw the goodness of God. Let me try to make this plain. There was a time when Paul was shipwrecked. They were on the sea for two weeks, 14 days, the Bible said. They had not seen the sun. They were taken on water, and the people had not eaten. They were fasting not because of religious reasons. They were afraid. They thought they were going to die any minute, didn't sleep, didn't eat for two weeks paul gave them a word he said i want you to be of good courage the angel of the lord stood by me tonight and he said paul not one life is going to be lost paul told them that so a good word is a good thing but it's not evidence so the people still didn't eat they didn't do anything pastor O. they were still afraid but then paul did something and see god is trying to instruct us as to what we could do so that people around us, when times of trouble, they can see his goodness. Paul took the bread, he blessed it, and he started eating. When they saw Paul was in the same condition as them, but he ate, it said the people took heart and they began to eat. Saying it wasn't enough, but when Paul demonstrated his faith, they saw the evidence of his faith and they began to eat. Somebody needs to see evidence. They need to see evidence of the goodness of God in these times when calamity is all around us, when disaster is everywhere, when things seem to go from bad to worse. I want you to know that God is still good. His goodness is still shining. Can you see his goodness? In the dark days, David in the same Psalm said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is my light. That's the only time in scripture where the name of God is invoked as light. The Lord is my light. I'm in a dark place, but the Lord is my light. Darkness can't consume me. Darkness can surround me, but it can't touch me because the Lord is my light. David said, I would have fainted. Unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he said his heart then was strengthened. So he encouraged us to wait on the Lord and he will strengthen your heart. What is the heart that God strengthens? Was it just believing that caused God to strengthen David's heart, or was it something more? I wanna suggest that there was something more. Chronicles, the second Chronicles 16 and 19, excuse me, second Chronicles 16 and nine tells us something about the heart and God's relationship to our heart. There's a reason Solomon said guard your heart with all diligence because out of it come the issues of life. Second Chronicles 2 16 and 9 reads for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He shows himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. I want you to know that God's eyes right now are not on me and not on you as much as they are on our hearts. He's looking for a heart that is loyal to him. Those who are going through, but are not fainting. He said we ought to always pray and not do what, not faint. And the, another translation of that is not to lose heart. There's somebody who's going through a tough time, some in the room and some on the live stream. God is saying, don't give up, don't lose heart. If you wait, I'm gonna strengthen your heart. Because when I allow doubt and unbelief to enter in, my heart is not loyal to God. It is to the one that caused the fall. And from the beginning in the garden, it's been what God said and what the father of lies have said. Everything, all of scripture boils down to that. And that's why for those who are in In God, our role in life is to prove what is that good and that perfect and acceptable will of God. That's what my life is about. That's what your life is about. And the accuser, the father of lies, will try to distract us with trouble, with lust, with anything that he can. But David is saying, I would have, I almost, I would have lost heart. If I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I see my enemies and my foes all around me. They want to eat up my flesh, but because I believe they stumbled and they fell. Would you put up that picture? A picture with David and Goliath. I want to make a point. Can you see what it says? It says King Saul thought David was too big to fight. David thought he was too big to miss. How do you see the giants in your life? One will cause you to run away. It's too big, I can't handle this, will cause your heart to faint. But when your hope is in God and your heart is loyal to him, it'll cause you to run to it and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the army of the Lord? All the army and Saul. Let's talk about this. I see more than just a picture there. Saul, at the time, was the king of Israel. David was a teenager, sent down by his father. And that's why the 27th Psalm has meaning. David has some experience sent down by his father to bring some raisins and some cakes and figs to his brothers. and when he gets there, his older brother said, "What do you? Th- I know your heart. What are you here for?" And David says, what most young people today are interested in." He said, "Is there not a cause. A cause is important. If you want to engage the young people, they need to see a cause. It's not enough to come and sit in a comfortable building. They want to see it. They need evidence that this God is real. And David said, is there not a cause? And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Saul was so afraid of him, he gave David his armor. He took off his armor and gave it to David. David said, this, is, this isn't right. No, 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 no. You fight with sword and shield. But I come in the name of the Lord. His heart was stout. It was loyal towards God. David reminded his brother, when I was watching our father's sheep, a lion came. And with my bare hands, I ripped him apart. And then a bear came. God was training him, wait on the Lord. He knows what he's saying when he says, wait. Saul anointed him as king when he was 17 years old. He didn't ascend to the throne until he was 34. It took the years of his life at that time to get there. I want to say to somebody, wait on the Lord. I know you think it's taking long. I know you think that the the clock is ticking, but God knows what he's doing. Wait, I say, on the Lord, and he shall strengthen your heart. Saul and David represent two kingdoms. Put, Put it back up. Be patient with me. Wait, I say. Saul was appointed. David was anointed. The people asked for Saul. God asked for David. When it was time for Saul to be anointed, he was hiding, hiding. But David was hidden. See, we're in God, and so we're hidden. Our lives are hidden together with Christ in God. The reason you haven't come into to all you're going to be yet is because you're hidden. And you know, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. He hides you in a secret place. In a, in a minute, the secret is going to be out. The secret is going to be revealed. You're a mystery, just like the gospel that was hidden for ages. But when the time comes, it's going to be revealed. I'm talking to somebody. You ought to say amen. God is about to do something. Wait on the Lord. Saul represents the flesh. David represents the spirit. Saul never desired the presence of God. He was confident in himself as king. The moment David got to the throne, He sent for the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. He longed for the presence of God. Saul never worshipped. The Levites to him were just people to serve him. David, almost on the day he was appointed, had 4,000 Levites. And the sons of Issachar come together to form worship. Worship is so important. So in the spirit we worship. Saul in the flesh never worshipped. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the most important thing in that comparison. And I can't go all the way to the bottom because today there's not time for that. But Saul saw Goliath as too big. He wouldn't fight Goliath. He allowed David to do it. And God gave David the victory. But Saul was willing to kill David. Why would he fight David, but he wouldn't fight the enemies of God? That's the flesh. God said, my heart breaks when my people won't fight their real enemy. And they fight one another. Why do you do that? Do you know not what kingdom that you're of? You have to love, we have to love one another. There's no time for us to be bickering and fighting. There's a war going on. God is saying, I'm looking for people who'll stand up and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the army of the Lord? But here's how you know that you belong to God. Even though Saul made numerous attempts with the javelin, and chasing David where David had to hide in caves to try and kill him when David could have taken him out. He didn't do it. He said, I will not touch God's anointed. I don't care what is done to you. I don't care how bad it hurts you. If you want a heart that's loyal to God, leave his anointed alone. Leave his people alone. There are people who do you wrong. And I had a a mentor growing up who made a difference between himself and the people. And he would say, God says, touch my anointed. That means don't touch me. No, 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 you're his anointed also. If you belong to him, you're anointed. And today, it's my prayer that you shall be anointed with fresh oil. All of God's children are precious in his sight. All of us matter to him, and to God, there's not this hierarchy. There's not a hierarchy in God. We're all his children. We're all in him. He cares for us, and he fights for every one of us. And David had a loyal heart, and that's why he never lost a battle. Saul died in battle. David never lost a battle. He died in peace, and he was able to write a song, and in it, the 34th Psalm, He said, behold, a righteous man, behold the upright, for the end of his days shall be peace. The end of Saul's days was in peace, him and his son in the same day. Sons perished because he was of the flesh and because he relied on himself rather than relying on the living God. And so when trouble comes, And when things are all around us, surrounding us, we need to hope in God. We need to believe that we're going to see his goodness. Some of you are going through stuff. Do you believe that you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Do you really believe? If you believe it, make some noise. So now let's back it up a little bit. Let's go to Psalm 27, verses four through six. And this is getting close to what we ought to be feeling today and sensing. David says, after he talks about verses one through three, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, I shall not fear. Though war shall encamp around me, my heart shall be confident. And then he picks this up. Now when he says his enemies and his foes came upon him to eat up his flesh and stumbled and fell, you remember what Goliath said to him? He said, come to me. Today I'm gonna give your flesh to be eaten by the fowls of the air. I believe in Psalm 27, David was singing and rejoicing over the victory that God had given him. Today is a day to sing and rejoice over the victories that God has given us because he's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. Is there anybody who knows that he never will? He never will. We always win when we're in him. That's why the devil wants us to get out of his pavilion, to get out of his covering, to get out from under him, and to doubt. He wants us to have a moment of doubt so that the God who's searching our heart will see that we moved away from him. Devil, you a liar. We're going to get closer to him. We're going to get closer to him. We're going to pick up our smooth stones and knock you down. You're going to stumble and fall today. Psalm 27 and 4 says, one thing. Somebody say one thing. Some people want too many things. Some people want everything but David said one thing I have desired of the Lord and that will I seek. What are you seeking? What are you seeking today? There there was a, a man from Greece who came to the apostles and said to Philip, I wanna see Jesus. Who are you seeking? Who do you wanna see? Who do you come when John sent his disciples to Jesus Jesus asked them, what did you come out here to see? A reed shaking in the wind. What did you come to church today to see? Somebody say, Jesus. Not what, but who did you come to see? Somebody say, Jesus. And he says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why do you want to do that, David? To behold the beauty of the Lord. Isn't he beautiful? And to inquire in his temple. I want to talk to him. I need to inquire of him. Somebody said inquiry minds want to know. In the kingdom of God, we inquire of the Lord. We don't go to the inquirer. We inquire of the Lord. And he said, He's, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me he shall set me upon a rock and now my head shall be look he's gonna set me up on a high rock and because of the elevation of the rock that David said in another place Lord when my heart is overwhelmed in me. Lead me, come on, to a rock that's higher than I. David is singing about that rock. I want you to know in times of trouble, I go to the rock, I go to the rock. He said when he sets me on a high rock, then my head is gonna be lifted above my enemies. Saul tried to lift, Saul was the tallest one in Israel. David was little but God set him on a rock. Your stature doesn't matter. The God you serve is big, and he's great, and nobody can take him down. He takes down enemies every day. Giants fall every day. I don't care how big your problems are. Giants do fall. You need to say to your problem, you're too big to miss. Too many people are running away because they think it's too big to fight. You can't handle it. That's what causes your heart to be overwhelmed. That's what causes your heart to faint. But David said, no, no, he's too big to miss. I can't miss that big head. And although he got on all that army, today my rock is going to sink into his temple. Therefore, come on, therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Here's David who was lamenting, who was reflecting, who started out talking about trouble. Now he's talking about joy. You can't be in his presence and not be joyful. He says, I will sing, yes, I will sing praises unto the Lord. His enemies didn't go away, but he was singing praises. The trouble is didn't cease. But because he believed, he began to rejoice. You can rejoice in God in trouble if you can just believe that you'll see his goodness in the land of the living. I want to make one point here and then we'll move on. David exhausted every noun in the Hebrew lexicon to talk about the house of God. At first, he says he want to dwell in his house. He wants to inquire in his temple. He hides him in the pavilion. And he talks about the secret, the, the secret place of his tabernacle. All of those are different structures. There's not one place that we can meet God. But I want to point out one because we've just been in a place like that, his pavilion. The pavilion is not the house. The pavilion is always outside of the house, and it's open air, has a roof, but no walls. Pavilions are most commonly in parks. There are pavilions in parks, and maybe in your personal residence, you have a type of pavilion called a gazebo. David is saying, when I can't get to his house, those times when he was in the desert, saying, my soul thirsts for you, as the deer, canteth for the water, he said the presence of God was there because God has a pavilion for me. I want you to know, even though we haven't been here since March of 2020, I hope somebody has been in the pavilion. The pavilion is where he hides us in trouble, and God knows we were in trouble. In the time of trouble, he hides us in the pavilion, and that's why in the beginning of the pandemic, we, we, we started to Run into Isaiah where it says, shut, tell my people to go into the house and shut the door. Come on, somebody, for a while until my wrath has passed. So the fact that we've been away doesn't mean that we haven't been with God. Because there's the house, there's the temple, there's the tabernacle, but there's also a pavilion. I want you to know when I leave here, I'm going back to the pavilion. God is with with us all the time. We just have to know him. We have to seek him. We have to desire him. And in the time of trouble, he'll hide you in the pavilion. It's amazing that a pavilion deep could be a secret place. It's open air. But we're hidden in God. Your enemies can't get at you when you're in, in him. They can see you, but they can't touch you. They can hate you, but they can't touch you. They can be angry with you, but they can't touch you. That's why we want to keep our, our hearts, Mother Locket, loyal to him. Because his eyes are going to and fro in the whole earth, seek to show himself strong to them whose hearts are loyal them. How many of you want God to show himself strong in you? How many of you want him to show himself strong in your affairs and in your life? I want to leave three practical things with those who struggle with worry, with a loss of hope, with being consumed with all the stuff that's going on. And I talked about the macro thing. But there are micro things that happen in our lives. And it seems like so many people, almost everyone that I talk to in an intimate way, is having a tough time. No matter what their status, they present themselves a certain way and when you talk to them, I'm having a difficult season, personally and professionally. I'm having a hard time. Relationships are fractured. Hearts are broken offenses everywhere. What do you do when you're surrounded by all of those things? The first the first thing for those taking notes, pray. David, this is a song so he was singing but he talked about inquiring of the Lord and you watch David's life when, when Ziglag burned with fire and his children were gone and everybody turned against him. They wanted to stone him with stones. He said, Lord, what shall I do? The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. There are times that you don't, you don't, it's not time to call your prayer partner. There are seasons, God's saying, if you trust me, encourage yourself. Speak over yourself and talk to me. I see your troubles. I want to help you. I'm waiting for you to come to me. I got the answer. I'm waiting. Wait, I say, on the Lord, and he shall strengthen your heart. And so, pray. If you have enough time to worry, you have enough time to pray. It is grievous to the heart of God that his children worry. Even though he says, don't worry, don't be anxious. Life, just doing life, causes us to worry. But God told me to suggest to you that every time worry crops up, start praying. And it don't have to be a deep prayer. It doesn't have to be anything deep. Just begin to talk to God and inquire of him. I promise you, you will find yourself praying without ceasing because worry is always there. And the devil knows that when we are children of God and we cry out to God, God answers us. So one of the ways he keeps you from praying, if you don't have time to pray, where do you get the time to worry? So here, this is a replacement theology. Somebody say replacement theology. When you find yourself worrying, start praying. You can be at work and just begin to pray in your spirit. You can be looking somebody right in the retina and praying because trouble has come. Don't worry, pray. Come on, say it out loud. Don't worry, pray. You ready for the second one? Sing. David in this psalm was actually singing, and he went from lamenting his enemies to saying, I will sing praises unto God, yes, the sacrifices of joy, because you can't sing unto the Lord and be sad. I can't tell you how many times I would walk down the corridors in a corporate environment where my friends stabbed me in the chest. And my enemies stabbed me in the back. That's how I could distinguish my friends from my enemies. They're the ones who stabbed me in the chest. And I I never dishonored God. Never. Not that I didn't have times I had to repent because God would tell me to pray for people. And I didn't want to pray for them because they weren't acting right. They weren't being very nice to me. And God would cause me to have a wet face praying for them. And I saw things turn around. And you know where it changed first? in my heart, and then the environment started to change, and they started to change. Sing. I would be walking down the hall, God is my witness, the God before who I stand and whom I serve, in my heart, making melody. And people all of a sudden would say hello. How you doing? People I didn't even know. They would engage me because I was easy to entreat. And they saw something on me and around me because I was making melody. But if I'd have been walking around, looking down at the tiles on the floor. It wouldn't have engaged anybody, so sing. Singing will lift your heart up. David understood that singing in the presence of God was good medicine. When his heart was overwhelmed, when he had trouble all around him, he could praise his way out of it. He could worship until the presence of God came and there was safety. The presence of God can be with you in the bathroom, in the living room, in the bedroom, in the parlor, in the park, at work, in school, at wherever you be, at, at Wawa. The presence of God will, will surround you if you would just sing to him. What are the first two things? And sing. The last is Scripture. Know the promises of God. You can't encourage yourself with an opinion. You can't encourage yourself with what you think. You encourage yourself. You speak over yourself the word of God because the promises of God are true. And what God says about you is so. It is so. And that will cause you to be lifted up. It will cause you to overcome whatever is happening. And as a body of Christ, I'm persuaded that if we do these things, the way we fellowship, the way the presence of God will rush in will be different because God's eyes as he's searching for hearts that are loyal, that's a loyal one, that's another one. Like everybody in the room's heart is loyal to me. I want to show up in here. I want to show myself strong. He shows himself strong. To them, wait on the Lord. I wanna say to you again, wait on the Lord. I know it's hard, I know it's rough, I know it seems long, like it's never gonna end. We thought we were out of the pandemic. We take one step forward, two steps backwards, but I want you to know that God is in control. There's nothing hard for him. Even in this, I see the goodness of the Lord. Is there anybody who sees God's goodness? He's good, we're here, we're still here. God is good. God is good. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Somebody ought to taste and see. He's good. If you know God is good, stand with me. Give God a praise. Give God a praise. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. The world is in a bad way, but God is good. The world is in a bad way, but God is good. He's good all the time. His goodness never fails. God is good. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessing until we meet again.